Greetings and welcome. If you haven't heard of Spotify for Podcasters, it's the easiest way to create and publish your podcast. It's free. That's right. It's free to download. It has built-in tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast from your cell phone or any smart device. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your podcast on virtually any platform that streams podcasts like Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, and much more. You can even monetize your podcast with no minimum listeners. Spotify for Podcasters is your one-stop app for podcasting. Remember, it's free. Welcome to the Trigger Welcome. Warning Talk podcast. We are streaming on all platforms. That's right. We are streaming on all your major platforms. We are available also via video for the majority of our interviews. You can watch them on Spotify for free. You don't have to pay for the account if you don't want to. Or you can go to our YouTube channel, which is Penton Pending Consultant Solutions, LLC. That's the company's website for the YouTube channel. I have a very special guest in the building today who is going to talk to us about her beloved daughter who's been missing for a number of years. We covered her story a number of episodes ago, but we got her in the house. She's going to talk to us about her beloved, and we are going to do everything that we can to not only allow her to tell her story in her own words, We also want to partner with her as well as the organization that she works with to help find missing persons. Because I told y'all, sometimes some of the episodes that we do, the whole show is about a missing person, not just at the end of every interview like we normally do. Let me get some housekeeping stuff out of the way. So again, this is the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. I'm so excited today because I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a while. Again, we are sponsored by Anchor. We are produced by Pen Pending Consultant Solutions, LLC. We are streaming, again, on all major platforms as well as Audible. So you can get it anywhere that you get your favorite podcast platforms. Here are some disclaimers before we get started. If you are triggered at any point of this podcast, and I mean at any point, and you need help immediately, please call 911. That starts the documentation process. Those calls are recorded. Most of those people that you're going to be talking with are mandated recorders. Be aware of that. They can help you. And also, it's going to be something that you can use in your issue or your situation. So for mental health issues or what have you. If you don't have an immediate need, but you still need help, we provide a lot of resources in every episode. So we have the numbers and websites to the following. Domestic violence, which we cover human and sex trafficking, which we cover, sexually based offenses, which we cover, and finally, missing persons, which obviously we cover because that's what we're doing today also. If you need help with suicide issues, 988, that's the number that the the government put into effect nationwide here in the USA, 24-7, 366 days a year, no charge for the phone call, 988. And finally, If you or someone you know and or love 
has issues with substance abuse. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs. We have three phone numbers and websites available for you. Al-Anon for the supporters, Narcotics Anonymous, and Alcoholics Anonymous. So we really do a lot to cover the basis for anybody that's having any issue, no matter what, especially by listening to this podcast, because it's it's rough, rugged, and raw, folks. You know, we don't sugarcoat stuff. I always say fluff is an action word. That's what you do to pillows and shit. You know, we just bring it to you real blunt, honest. We have a special guest today. Her name is Paula Cozy Hill. She is from hometown. She still lives there, St. Louis, Missouri. So shout out to my St. Louis sister, Love you so much. I can't wait to get there and, and meet you. And we're just going to have a great conversation today about your beloved Mika. And we titled this episode Missing My Mika, which is kind of a play on your uh, Gmail address, which is missingmymika at gmail.com. We'll provide the links for your contact information in the show notes. And we'll talk about that at the end. But again, we're talking about the Shamika Cozy story. And we have Paula Cozy Hill, her mom here. How are you doing today, man? I'm fine. I'm doing great today. How are you? I got chill bumps right now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm like, literally, you can't see them, but I am so excited. Mrs. LP, our beloved, the president of our company, she does all kind of work in the background. People don't ever see her, but she's all into what we're doing in the company and with this podcast. So, she was the person that first introduced me to Shamika's story because, as I always tell people, Mrs. LP, when she's not doing her day job for this Fortune 100 company that she works for, she is a true crime unsolved detective. She doesn't like the ones that solve because once they're solved, they, she just loses interest. She has a photographic memory. She has a library of Congress of missing persons cases going back decades, like seriously. She gets involved in some missing persons cases. She's helped find some individuals, even in our hometown of St. Louis. Uh, and she doesn't charge anything for the work she does. She's just a great humanitarian. Now, I might sound biased because I'm Mr. LP, but even if I didn't know her and I know and I knew about the work that she does, I would say the same thing. So mm -hmm. that being said, I want to play a short video clip before we jump into the story of Shamika. This comes from YouTube. And actually, I found this from the Mission Looking for an Angel uh, website. This is the story of Shamika Cozy. Will you remember me? 
a video from YouTube via the Looking for an Angel website, and it was just a picture collage of Shamika Cozy. Now, I played that because we're going to talk about her case with her mom, Paula Cozy Hill, and I wanted to, I want people to watch this podcast. I know a lot of times people just listen to the episodes. But I want you all to, to really watch this podcast because we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to not only Paula's heart, but my heart. And so sometimes when you just listen, you don't get the full effect. That's why they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Paula, thank you for joining the Trigger Want to Talk podcast. And I want to say to you that from my family to yours, we support you. We're in that foxhole with you. Whatever we can continue to do to find Shamika, we will do. You just let us know we're a phone call away. Tell us in your own words where you would like to start your story about Mika. Ooh, thank you, first of all, for having me. And that's one of the most emotional videos that I have. <laughs> I know. I, that's why I got it out the way first. Because I'm like, let's just get it out the way first. Because, man, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, But I actually just like to start off just talking about what kind of person Mika was. Mika 
she was a loving person. She took care of all the kids. She was the babysitter of the family. She looked out for everybody. That was just the kind of person she was. She It didn't matter who you were. She gave everyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, in her world, everybody was good. <laughs> and if they wasn't, she felt like she can handle it. She was strong enough. She was do what she had to do. So I know she was very strong. Let's start from the week that she went missing. Because she went missing December 28th of 2008. What was going on that week that stands out in your head? Well, actually, that day, December the 28th of 2008, mm -hmm. that day, me and her got up, and we went shopping with my mom. We dropped my mom off, and we went to one of my friend's house um, in Baton, Missouri. It's not too mm -hmm. far from where we live. And I was I was there and she left and she went walking and I was upset with her that day because we didn't live in that area and I didn't understand why would she just take off walking in an area where she was unfamiliar with. Yes, we have been over there a couple of times and she was familiar with the house we was at, but she wasn't familiar with walking around in that area so i that was a red flag to me i was wondering why she did that that particular day when we got home she said she was bored the first conversation me and her had she was going to ask her cousins to come over to our house because they do that all the time okay. that was her little cousin so she always take care of them so that was the original plan but when I called my niece for them to come over, my niece said that they already had some movies and that she should come over there. Okay. So that's originally how she ended up over there. So my niece came and picked her up. And that's how she ended up over there that night around approximately about 7 p.m. Um. From then on, the information that I received was that they stayed up watching movies, um, laughing and talking. Um, she was going outside in front of the house. Um, I don't think they was making a big deal out of it because she goes outside. That was normal. Okay. Um, they all went to bed approximately 1.30 a.m. Um, my niece went in her room. My sister went downstairs in her room. And my daughter was left. She was sleeping on the couch in the living room. So that was the last time they seen her. When they, The first person that got up that morning was my sister's um, boyfriend who lived downstairs with her. And he went and told her that Shamika wasn't in the living room and the door was open. So my sister was the first person to call me and ask me, was Shamika at home? 
And I told her no. And basically that's when the search began. We started calling around. She had never stayed out all night. Never, ever. She has never done that. So we started calling around. And how old is she this time? She was 16 years old. Okay. So um, after we couldn't find her, my niece did call the police. The police did come over to my niece's house and they didn't make a police report at the time. Okay. But they was aware. So we just continued calling around. Um, and my uh, we lived in an apartment complex in Hazelwood. Okay. So I know she had some friends over there. So I started asking them questions, just trying to see if they had seen her. So the next day was December the 29th. We went to the police department and explained to them everything that had happened and that we couldn't find her. They called the guy that she called herself dating at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and he came up to the police department, I think with his mother. And he told the police, the police that, oh yeah, she smoked weed. She be going out to clubs, strip clubs, all in the east side, you know, and she's cheating on him, things like that. So when the police came back into another room where we was, only thing I know is that that's what he came in and told me. Um, he said that your daughter be going out to strip clubs and she probably just gone with some man. Okay, so this is in a separate room. This is in a separate room. So, yeah. so you're in the one room, they're in another room, and he's with his mom or he's by himself. I believe he was with his mother. Okay, and how old was he at the time? He was underage, so he went no more about 17. Okay, so so he's with his mom in one room. You're in another room talking to the detectives, I presume. He tells them all of this stuff about her smoking weed, partying, going to over to the east side, as we call it, doing all this stuff, because you can't even get into those places unless you're um, 21 and old. Exactly. And so he's telling them all of that. They come over to you, and they tell you, what he said and what say yeah, you they basically just come in and say did you know your daughter was doing this and your daughter was smoking this and your daughter was doing this i said well i suspected she was smoking weed because yes she would come in the house smelling like it but did she do it in my face no she did not as okay. far as going out i don't know when she was going out because i mean like I watched my door. I know that she went out homecoming night. Okay. Homecoming night. Now we need to talk about when did I know she go to the east side. Homecoming night, she went to homecoming. When she came home, she asked, could she go with some girls that live downstairs? Okay. I told her time to be back. I told her to be back at one. And she went with them and came back on time because okay. I stayed up waiting on her in the living room. So apparently that night she went to Eastside to a strip mm -hmm. club and the girl downstairs gave her one of her old ID. So this is how she got in that night. Well, when okay. I talked to this young lady and I talked to her right today, I can call her and talk to her. They said they only did that one time. And that was that night. 
but she did keep me my daughter did keep the id because oh. i have the id now okay so now i do not know if she used it again now that's a question i don't know that um but i definitely know that she was not hanging out there a lot over there because i was keeping up with her i know what she was not all the time but most of the time mm -hmm. so now i guess the police just feel like she just gone with somebody and they don't feel like it's worth looking for her that's how i took it because they sent me home with saying that oh she'll be home for school so when it's time for school to start she's not home now it's silence they don't know what to do they don't know what to say so i didn't know what to do the only thing i know to do was keep her face out there we passed out flyers we had people donate flyers to her i we just stand at corners we didn't did um Fayette airport road stayed at the corner and passed out flyers we done been at Natural Bridge and um, Lucas and Hunt, Natural Bridge and Goodfellow. We done been at that intersection before, passing our flight. So only thing we knew was to just try to get her face out there. I finally heard about a website called Nameless. Nameless. Mm -hmm. I entered her into that website. Or I tried as many organizations as I can that distribute flight um and make sure she was in their database i just did what i could but that's all i knew to do this is the trigger one to talk podcast we are sponsored by anchor we are produced by penton pending consultant solutions llc we are streaming on all major podcast platforms folks so you can watch us you can listen to us we are everywhere that you get your favorite podcast uh you can watch these interviews uh, on our YouTube channel, which is Pen Pending Consultant Solutions LLC or Spotify. We're talking about the case of missing person Shamika Cozy. I just pulled up the site that you referenced, Paula, and we're talking yeah. with her mom, Paula Cozy Hill. Uh, Shamika has been missing since December 28th of 2008. NAMIS is a website that stands for the National Missing and Unidentified Person System. The site is Nameless.nij.ojp.gov. This is the Trigger Want to Talk podcast sponsored by Anchor, produced by Pending Pending Consultant Solutions, LLC. We're talking with Paula Cozy-Hill regarding the case of her daughter, Shamika Cozy, who's been missing since December 28th of 2008. She was telling us about where she last saw and interacted with Shamika and her interactions with law enforcement. Uh, we are from the St. Louis, Missouri area. So some of these places that she's naming are in and around St. Louis City, which is its own county, and then parts of St. Louis County. So um, where did you all live? What part of St. Louis County are you all from? We lived in Hazelwood, Missouri. She went to Hazelwood West High School. Okay. And I went to Hazelwood Central, uh, graduated in 1990. So all familiar with Hazelwood Central, got, you know, relatives mm -hmm. that are still in that school district. Mm -hmm. um, My youngest one is at Hazelwood East now. Okay. They have Spartans. <laughs> yeah. So mm -hmm. I was a hawk. 
and then you got mm-hmm. Hazelwood West, which is the uh, the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. And so um, Hazelwood is a suburb of St. Louis uh, County. It's one of the 91 municipalities. Uh, it's not too far from Ferguson. Everybody knows about Ferguson. The last place that she was uh, seen was in Hazelwood, or was it in Berkeley? In Berkeley, at her cousin's house, at a relative house. And Berkeley is a direct uh, municipality uh, next to Ferguson. Is actually, uh, uh, when I worked at the fire department out there, um, we did mutual aid for Berkeley, as well as Ferguson, uh, in case they needed help. So again, I'm all familiar about those areas that we're talking about. When you get home from the police station, what happens at that point? My mind is going everywhere. Where is this child? What she done did? What's going on? Did somebody take her? Or is she gone? Is she staying somewhere? All of that was going through my head. So I don't think I could just call people and try to contact them again and just flyers call people i i didn't know which way to turn because i didn't know what did she leave her on her own was she's taken i did not know and i had never ever heard of anyone being in this situation so i did not know who to call what organization who's going to help me only thing i know is that the police department needed to know and i thought they would be the one to help me or send me some help <laughs> something i did not get any of that i i i got, got nothing um i just basically went in depressed mode um i i did not know how to handle it because i did not know what i i didn't know what to do i think that was the my why it was so hard because i did not know i i didn't i didn't know what to do I didn't know where to start with something like this. If the child go missing, what do you do? You thinking the police doing it? You didn't. I didn't know. I need to be the one out there. I need to be the one in the police face. If I had to do it all over again, they would never get me out of that department, out of that station. I would just sit there. Yeah. I, I would just do it so different because in my head I was thinking that they was looking for my daughter. Let let me ask you this. Anybody that's a parent knows that you know your kids are your world. They mean the world to you. And when they are not around and you don't understand what's happening and they're a minor, no matter what thing, because kids are kids. Young folks do all kinds. Of, I mean, we were young before. We've done young, dumb stuff. Uh, I used to uh, hang out with a lot of the security guards that worked in some of these places. And I remember seeing how they would get young girls coming in all the time with fake IDs. And they hold the flashlight up to the ID, look at them, and they pointed at the, the woman, pointed back at the ID. And they caught a lot of young young girls trying to sneak into the club with their cousin's ID, their sister's ID, their auntie's ID, their mama's ID, because they may have looked like that particular relative or friend all the time. Like, it happened all the time. And mm-hmm. and sometimes they would be honest. It was like, how old are you for real? You know, and they'd be like 16, 18, 17, mm-hmm. 15. 
You get that all the time. And these young ladies are looking like grown ass women. I mean, you don't know until you ask and verify whatever. And there were some women, some young, some young girls that got in because they didn't get caught. You know, so it happens. People smoke weed. You've been smoking weed since the whoever discovered it, you know. Right. Uh, so we know these things happen. Kids run out, not run away per se. We're not talking about that. We're talking about kids sneak out of the house, you know, to hang out with their friends, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, their intimate partners, all kind of stuff. So we're not talking, folks. My my child would never, you know, my my kid could never do something like that. If you are that parent, I'm going to be interviewing you too. At one point, because that's intentional ignorance and it happens all the time, folks. It happens all the time. And sometimes when these young people, when they get in their emotions and their heads and their feelings because they want to have fun or they may be having issues that we as parents don't know about because they're not sharing those things with us, because that's happening a lot, too. Sometimes they get caught up in situations that they're not ready for. Yes, yes. They may hang out with somebody that thinks that they think is safe. We covered the Shanquilla Robinson story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we did the same thing with Donye Jones when I interviewed the person. He was found hanging in his backyard by his family members. You're familiar with Donye Jones's family. He was a Ferguson activist after the Mike Brown killing in Ferguson, Missouri, back in 2014. And so we covered that case because to this day, nobody has been arrested. Nobody's been adjudicated. Nobody's been brought to justice. There's no accountability right now. And um, his mom, Miss Melissa, she is going through, you know, some very traumatic pain right now because she wants to know who is responsible. Yeah. When we're talking about, and you call her Mika, was that your nickname for her or was that everybody just called her Yeah, Mika? everyone called her Mika. And she's such a lovely young woman. I'm, I'm going to pull her picture back up on the screen here because, again, we like putting pictures to the words. We like bringing life to people because people have lives. And my daughter, she did look older for her age. She did not look 16. And that happens so and this much. Is the last, this is the last picture she took at homecoming. This was the night that we talked about. That night. That she night. With her friend. Yep. This is the homecoming picture. Let's fast forward to the next phase in your investigation what happens now you're at home kind of got you know pushed to the side by law enforcement unfortunately what do you do do you go in mama bear mode what, what's going on actually i'm i'll be honest i'm totally went in depression mode um then eventually i start thinking because i really could not think because i was just whoo I was just traumatized. That's all I can say. Totally traumatized. So I started going through her room because I'm not thinking she's not going to come back. Sure. (laughs) That's not what I'm thinking. 
So I start going through her room, start going through stuff, and and I find notes and papers. And so now I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but on this letter, she said she was pregnant. But of course, I'm thinking about the timeline. Mm-hmm. She would have been showing. So everything's just going through my mind and I'm seeing these notes that she writes to a friend and I'm like, somebody else knew. Somebody else knew about all this stuff that she was going through or what she was talking about. I don't know who the young lady is. I don't know who handwriting it is. I do not know who she was talking to. But it was a lady, young lady that went to Hazelwood High School because they was writing notes to each other in the folder. Okay. So, I mean, that's one another person that I would like to talk to. Um, I'm I'm sure they know. They know that Mika is missing. She had people that was going to school with her that she called her friends. Why? haven't they talked to me? Why haven't they called me? Why haven't they gotten in touch with me? Um, I, I just don't understand. Um, at the time when the ladies was minor, I went and talked to one of the mothers, asked them would they come to the police department to make a statement? And yes. the mother said she didn't want her kids involved. They, she refused to allow them to come and talk. But they would talk to me. I would go downstairs and ask them questions. Um, and they would answer. That's how I found out about the night with the going out and everything. The going out, okay. Yes. Um, they told me incidents about, okay, the boy that actually came up to the police department, he didn't came into my apartment. So this young man didn't been over to my apartment with her. See, okay. he was he told what he wanted to tell, but he did not tell everything. Um, in the let in the note, he was upset she was pregnant. I mean, like, why was he was upset? What I mean, like, I don't understand. So now it's years later, nobody have heard from this young man again. I mean, like, Berkeley would like to talk to him again. Because they didn't ask him the right questions. Right. Like if some if if this child is missing and you said she cheated on you, who is the person she cheated on you with? What do you know about him? How did you find out she there's a lot of unanswered questions and there's a lot of people that want to name names? What who are these people? Uh do you know his whereabouts? Like is he still in St. Louis area? Does he still I, live in the I, same I, building? I don't know. Okay. I do not know. I know back in, in high school, we used to give people IDs, okay? I remember oh, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. I That's have it. another young man that I have his ID, and I see him on Facebook and inbox him, and he never answers. So I don't know if he's not getting my message or he just refusing to answer. I don't know. But she just had his IDs. So I just was trying to find out who he is and what do they he know. I just wanted to ask some questions. And I'm sitting here and I'm going through all my notes and everything. 
one of the things that stands out to me as a first responder because i'm a paramedic and a firefighter i retired in 2020 been in ems since 2006 i worked and practiced my whole career in the st louis metro area including st louis county as a first responder one of the things that brings me angst is to hear how law enforcement dropped the ball to hear how other first responders you know as a paramedic and a firefighter we don't go out looking for kids that's not in our scope of support that's not in other duties as a sign deal if we come across a, a person a young person if they come to the firehouse because outside of every firehouse there's a sign that says uh and sometimes it's worded different but there's like a sign that says this is a safe space for you to come for whatever period mm -hmm. you know uh we're going to get you whatever help that you need from the start um we may not follow through with that but we're mandated reporters so if she was in trouble she could have gone to a police station she could have gone to a fire department firehouse she could have gone to a private ems service that they have in st louis they got a couple of them she could have gone to the city fire and ems because they have ambulances also so uh she could have gone to um, a sheriff's office if she was in Los county there's a number of places that you can go if you are in trouble if you and, and I'm not saying that you've done something. I'm saying if you feel threatened or in trouble, you can go to a hospital, any hospital. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a medical issue. You can walk into any ER. You can go into any urgent care. You can go into some doctor's office. It could be a podiatrist's office or something like that. You can go anywhere because all of those people are mandated reporters. You can go into any school. It don't even have to be the school that you attend. It could be a grade school, a high school, elementary school. It could be a daycare. It could be anywhere. All of those people that work in there are mandated reporters. All you have to do is say, I need help. They're going to get on the phone and call 911, and that's how the process starts. So we're not talking about, and, and I tell people that because I want them to know, especially parents, I want you to understand how important it is to be aware of where you can get help. Uh, it's still the onus is still on law enforcement to do their part as far as doing the investigation. I like that you uh, referenced the name of site. There's a number of sites that Shamika's poster is on the M, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. She's on their site, the FBI.gov. Uh, she's on, uh, there's a site called Doe Network. They're an international missing persons organization. She's on their website, Charlie Project. If you go to charlieproject.org, she's listed on their website. So these are national and international organizations, including law enforcement. Like I said, she's on the FBI's website for missing persons. So this is serious folks like we're not playing around here uh and this goes back to 2008 let's fast forward so between 08 and 2022 what's happening what's been going on just me just keep 
just trying to keep her name out here. Just trying to keep the awareness going. Just trying to get people to understand missing person epidemic. This is real. I've I've been well the very first person that I met with a missing family member was Theta person. She was Theta Ferguson at the time. And I went to visit her at one of her events that she had. And that was the very first time I met her. And she was had a motorcycle event ride. Um, and I came out and she was so happy to see me and with open arms. I was so excited because I did not know how she was going to react to me coming to her event. So I've been knowing her for a while now. And now I'm a board member with her foundation called Looking for an Angel. Mm-hmm. And we work together on spreading the word about missing person epidemic and trying to help families navigate and again have help when they go to this police department and report their loved one missing. You're going to need help because you you just don't know what to do. So looking for an angel, you can call her and she will definitely help navigate through the missing person process and help get your loved one in other websites and start to search and talk to law enforcement all of that she does all of that she would definitely help with all of it and i'm so blessed to have met her and yes and she Help me, you know, just be in a circle and community with other missing family, where families with missing loved ones, so that way you won't feel alone, like you're the only one in the world in this. It 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 helps. It helps because you listen to other people's story. Couldn't even imagine some of the stories I've heard on how family members come up missing. Is Let's talk about that because I, I'm glad you mentioned it because you actually you read my mind. I don't know. It, was, it must be the St. Louis connection. <laughs> we got the Missouri thing. We got the show because we're from the show me state. So we're about to show you what we talking well, about. I, I, I got to say, I am, I was born and raised in Mississippi. I, right. moved, to, I moved to right. St. Louis in 90, 1990. That's yeah. all right. You adopted. We, so I got we adopted. To represent my Mississippi. <laughs> that's all right. You you adopted. That's all right. You still part of the family. You know what I'm saying? That, that's all that matters. You are listed as a volunteer coordinator for the Looking for an Angel website. And again, folks, got to watch these podcasts also because you miss some of these things that I put up on the screen. You can't see that when you're listening to it. Although we love our listeners, I'm just saying to get the full effect of the interview. Sometimes I tell people you really should watch it because you're going to miss some of the information that we have on the screen. Uh, so it's Theta who founded Looking for Angel. You're the volunteer coordinator. And of course, our sister, Regina Sykes, who is the secretary and she's the mother of Monica Sykes, who unfortunately uh, was missing for a while. She, 
she was killed. What's the status of that case? Um, he has been convicted and sentenced. So, um, I guess I don't want to say closure, but he has been brought to justice. And I just want to say for the record, for disclosure, Mrs. LP, I beloved everything was involved in finding Monica. She contacted Regina when nobody could find her, including law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And she was just sitting there one day and she was like, I, I want to do something. I don't, I don't know what to do. And she said, I called her and I was like, what can I do? And she said, I just need, I'll take any help. I'm just paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. like, I, I just want to find my baby. Mm -hmm. Mrs. LP started doing Mrs. LP stuff. She, I'm telling you, when she gets focused, whew, all you do is sit back and I'm telling you, she's quick. She contacted some agency down in Texas who does search and rescue. They got cadaver dogs and all this stuff. They came from Texas to Missouri on their own dime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mrs. LP didn't charge her anything, nothing. They came on their own dime to St. Louis with their equipment, their dogs and all this stuff. And they searched some of the same areas and some other places and found Shamika. Unfortunately, she was deceased. However, they found her. They were able to give Regina some closure. You never saw Mrs. LP or heard her at the press conference. She doesn't like any of the attention. Again, she's a great humanitarian. I bring that up because when I say we are focused on helping people, and this is way before we did the Trigger Want to Talk podcast, we weren't even married yet because we got married in, in 2019. So this is even before we, because uh, we got, we dated in 09 and that was for a short time. And then we got back together in 2017. Uh, so this is way before that. So again, she's already been involved in missing persons cases. So I just want to put that out there because a lot of times, and when we were talking about this last night about the work that she does with missing persons cases, again, she only likes the unsolved stuff. So um, that's what she focuses on. This is why we added missing persons. I don't know if you can start here. So my left, my left shoulder here. That's why we added the missing persons component to the trigger one and talk podcast specifically because of two things, the work that she does and 99% of the cases that we cover are melanated men, women, and children abducted, runaway, kidnapping. And if they don't meet any of those criteria, like Donnie Jones's story, you know, we want to bring justice to those who have taken their lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's why we cover these cases or whatever. Again, my flowers and shout out to Mrs. LP for the work that she's doing and for giving me the courage to add this component to the Trigger One and Talk podcast. I want to ask you a number of questions. And I got one question. I, I had 27 parts to it, but Mrs. LP doesn't like me to go there and do that. So she said, can you consolidate it to about maybe three to five? I said, okay, I got you. <laughs> so, and this is not in any order. This is just me. As a dad, 
as a parent, what is the first thing that you as a parent should do upon realizing your child is missing? We're not talking adults right now. We're just talking minors. So under 18, because the conversation switches somewhat once they're 18, because they're considered an adult. Mm -hmm. What should a parent do once they realize their minor child is missing from birth to 17.9? Get a picture and take it to the police department. Okay. And then start your search. Start doing your work because you're going to have to do the work yourself because you're going to want it done immediately. And I'm not going to say the police is going to move immediately. So, with that being said, go make your police report. And let me let people know, you do not have to wait 24 hours. It is not allowed anymore. As soon as you feel like something is suspicious about a loved one, not showing up somewhere or disappeared or something, you can go to the police department and you can take your picture and say, I have not seen this person in eight hours because it does not matter. And this is not like her. This is out of her ordinary. So now you are ready to went up there. You're not guaranteed a police report, but they do know. So okay. now you can start your searching. And you got to start on your own, calling the closest relative, the last person, place they was at, checking and asking a lot of questions. Um, people talk. I mean, people talk. Just ask them a question. <laughs> they will talk. Um, they will talk about what they heard. I mean, some things not true, but I get all the information, whether I have evidence of it or not. Mm -hmm. I know you know what I'm saying? So that's first thing. Do not disregard any information. That's very important because you don't know how it's going to connect with something going on. So um, like I hear some, ain't no such thing as my child wouldn't do that. There's no such thing. We don't know. We don't know where they made to do it, forced to do it. So you mm -hmm. don't know. So that that's my very first advice. You got to stay open. And you have to communicate. Because you have to say those things that uh, might, people might judge you about. Okay, my daughter was smoking weed. I'm here to confess that. Okay, so we can go on and move past that. Now let's move past that and see where she at. Okay, so some of those things that you want to keep in the family, yeah, some of them have to come out. That way you can get a clear understanding and you can move past that. And that is not an issue. The issue is she is not here with her family. So you're going to encounter all of that. What people say, if it's a runaway, even if she done did it before, my daughter never did this before. So that was my big concern that they ignored it and she never done it before. So what if she had done it before? Do mm -hmm. that mean she shouldn't be looked for? Runaway should be looked for too. Absolutely. Especially minors. We're not talking adults, folks. So again, 
adults are missing and they do get abducted and they do get kidnapped and they do run away. We're talking minors right now. We're just talking minors right now. Even though Shamika, how how old is she today? She's thirty. She's thirty. Yes. And we're and I said how old is she? And mm -hmm. say how old was she? Yes, she's thirty. How old is she? She's thirty. How has the case changed once she became an adult? It I mean it really did. Um only thing I can say is um some people don't know police department, they are the ones that report to um the national center for missing children so that information came straight from the berkeley police department it started okay. off as a runaway then it went to endangered runaway so now it's endangered missing person can you explain the differences in uh these terms for those that are, are listening and are watching we know runaway what is right. endangered? Runaway. So when you become endangered, runaway. So now it's been a long time, and now it might not be a runaway. Okay. So because just because they kept that was their opinion about it being a, a runaway. So now they have to take the runaway out because they really do not have evidence it was a runaway case. Okay. So they had to take that off. So now it's endangered missing person. Endangered missing person. Okay. Let me ask you uh, some more about uh, steps to take as a parent. So we got uh, a recent picture. Take that to law enforcement. You want to search your kid's room. Uh, you want to interview everyone that you can interview fam family, friends, intimate partners. Well, yes, that's um, all the right questions. You want to uh, be very direct. You want specifics when you're asking these questions. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're not looking for warm, fuzzy feelings here, folks. This is blunt honesty that we're talking about when, when we're talking about having these discussions with whomever can help give you information that you need in this search. Um, you talked about collecting evidence. So like you said, you have uh, IDs that weren't hers. You have letters that she wrote. Uh, you have other bits of information that you collected from her room. Mm -hmm. uh, the police start off registering her as a missing person with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But you also, how did you go about getting her name to some of these other organizations, websites like um the Charlie project like the Doe network looking they for an either they either contacted me to ask for permission or okay. I contacted them some of them I had contacted um or they'll contact me and say we would like to put this on our website and of course yes um <laughs> uh, contacting all media when I say all media, I'm talking about contacting all media, the print media, which is the newspapers. It could be local. It could be as small as whatever newspaper in your location or any major publication like uh, the big newspaper in St. Louis is the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Yeah. You have a black newspaper that has nationally been recognized uh, as the best 
black newspaper in America, which is the St. Louis American. So shout out to them and the work that they've done for decades. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the Riverfront Times, uh, which is a uh, another free, that's a free paper along with the St. Louis American uh, weekly uh, newspapers about weekly edition. Uh, whereas the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is a daily publication. Uh, you have all the media channels in St. Louis. So wherever you live, go to those news stations or call them. In St. Louis, we have KSDK, which is Channel 5, the NBC affiliate. We got KMOV, which is a CBS affiliate. We got Fox 2 News. Uh, they're an ABC affiliate. Uh, you know, you have... All the radio stations, FM and AM, contact all of those radio stations. I don't care what genre of music or news or whatever they focus on. If they have a radio station, you can contact them. They do have departments where they uh, deal with public issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of those stations specifically will give you airtime for certain things. Uh, like what we're talking about. All the radio stations, AM and or FM. You want to go to all these different websites that we talked about. You want to be talking to podcasts like myself who focus on missing persons. There, there are a number of podcasts that are out in podcast world, as I call it, that talk about missing persons. Now, we are the only one that focuses on Missing persons, human and sex trafficking, domestic violence, and sexually based offenses. Um, but you got to do your research as the parent. Like you're going to be doing a lot of the legwork. You can't depend on law enforcement to do all of the work, the majority of the work at all. Like, unfortunately, they've gotten better since 08. Uh, but we're still in this, hey, you know, maybe this happened, maybe that happened and all that stuff. Okay, while we're doing the maybes or the what ifs, what are we actively doing? Mm -hmm. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is when it comes to friends of hers, just like in the Shanquilla Robinson story, when they came back from Cabo, they met with the family in the family's home, in her home. They gave this cock and bull story about her having alcohol poisoning, but we know that's, that wasn't true. Have any of her friends to this day, like recently I'm talking about, any of them come to you and say anything, even if it was anonymously, like you got a phone call at two in the morning from some voice or a letter that was slipped under the door saying, hey, you know, I got some information that you might want to check into about Mika. Has anything like that happened? Anything falling off a truck that would give you a clue to her whereabouts possibly? Uh, you know, what are you hearing most recently about her from anybody that may know her? No, the most recently person that I talked I talked to is the person who I did I have that she used to get in the club. Okay. That's the young lady that she went with. 
that night, her and one of her sisters. So them two sisters and my daughter was the one they went out tonight. I talked to her and she told me what happened that night. Um, but she said they didn't do that anymore. I mean, like, she just told me everything she knew and we just, we both trying to figure this out. You know, when we're talking about things to do in terms of how to report and search, one of the other things that I want to bring up is from a first responder perspective, do you have any local meetings with other first responders in terms of when your organization looking for an angel does events? Are you bringing them into the 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 fray? Are you bringing them into some of these conversations that you have about what we can do? Uh, because you know we do have a responsibility of sorts, like I talked about earlier, providing these safe spaces for people. But what I want to do is I want to talk to other first responders and say, hey, you know, let's have some type of like a three ring binder in every firehouse, at every EMS organization, uh, maybe even in the squad cars of every police car, just some three ring binder that contains missing persons information, you know, and I think having this stuff is helpful because we come across people all the time in the course of our duties. EMS calls, we get all the time. Fire calls, we get all the time. Law enforcement related calls, we get all the time. And there are times when we all come together on one call. Right. We may come across somebody who, and there's been times where law enforcement and EMS and fire have come across people in an emergency call that they found out, oh, this person was actually missing. This person was actually, you know, it, it came out as a fire call. And when they got there, you know, they go in and they get everybody out. And as they're doing the IDs, well, these people were being trafficked. Mm -hmm. They were missing. They found out they were being trafficked or, you know, uh, something like that. So, again, law enforcement, EMS, and fire directly work with each other. Sometimes we find out stuff that we weren't even looking for. You know, I just I just came to the call because it came out as a, a chest pain call or it came out as an unknown EMS. And I get there and in doing my assessment, which I have to do, I find out that this person was missing and been missing for 10 years, you know. But they called about because their arm was injured mm -hmm. or something like that. You just never know as a first responder who your patient is going to be. I always said this before I get to my next question. My biggest fear as a first responder, especially as a medic, is getting suited and booted when a call comes out, going license sirens to the call and showing up. And my patient is somebody that I know. Especially if it's a family member. You know, uh, that was always my greatest fear when I was active in the field. Mm -hmm. We got to be prepared for that. Just like we got to be prepared to encounter people that possibly are missing. 
possibly and and I'm saying I bring that up because my next question goes into do you believe that she's been trafficked human or sex trafficked I do and the reason I do is because I just keep hearing about an older man. I keep hearing, it's the things that I'm hearing about her case, like when I talk to people or say, like this car that I seen her get into. I don't know who was driving it, but I do know it was a nice, expensive car. So who was driving that car? Do that? They know she missing? Why they haven't contacted me? Um, I, it's, it's all, all of that. I, like the boy said that she was cheating on him. Like, I need to know who she was cheating on you with. And how did you know she was cheating on you? What did you find out? What do you know about the guy? It's all those questions and her talking about she might've been pregnant. What if she did, what if she was pregnant and somebody didn't want to, um nobody didn't know. Right. Um and took care of her. I don't know. But I do know that with all the evidence that I have and all the suspicions that I have, that I feel like somebody took her and didn't bring her back that night. They took her and did not bring her back. For so, you um, so from that aspect, because trafficking brings us into a whole nother conversation. It brings, but it's part of the conversation because missing persons and trafficking, that's why we cover that because these things, they all tie into each other a lot. And I always tell people when we do trafficking stories, because we cover human and sex trafficking, I tell people all the time, we got to get rid of the stigmas, the stereotypes, and the taboos when it comes to trafficking. And I want people to really listen to what I'm saying here. Human and sex trafficking is not a foreign-based crime only. Trafficking is a worldwide epidemic. Most people believe when it comes to human, and, 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 and let me be very clear, most people believe when it comes to human and sex trafficking, these are individuals who are being shipped to the U.S. from Europe or Asia in some fucking shipping container coming across the Atlantic Ocean into some port of call New York or Baltimore or Florida or wherever. And that's not the whole picture or they believe that they're being thrown in some people mover like some truck or something like that some van coming across the u.s mexico border i did a, a story on a missing person case on the trigger want to talk podcast about a young woman who was 15 years old paula mm -hmm. 15 years old in dallas texas she was at a dallas mavericks nba professional game in Dallas with her dad. She tells her dad she has to go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom. The dad doesn't see her 
for the next 11 days. That day that she went missing, of course, she didn't come back after a certain amount of time. They got security involved. Nobody could find her. He went to the Dallas PD, filed a police report. They started doing their work. Like you said, and like we said, law enforcement does not always work like that. So after a number of days, dad was like, mm, I don't, I'm not satisfied with what the progress is with this case. So I am going to contact a missing persons organization. He found one. I think it was either in Houston or San Antonio, a few hours away from Dallas or whatever. Gave them her information. So a picture, recent picture and her demographics and all this stuff. They started doing their research. Maybe went on the dark web. Who knows? You know what? They found her. She was being trafficked online. You know where they found her, Paula? Where? Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Now, Texas and Oklahoma board each other. Uh, Oklahoma's right. north, north of Texas. Found her in OKC. They contacted OKC PD. OKC PD raided this motel that she was being trafficked. And they, whoever the guy was, had rented out, like I believe it was eight rooms or something like that. She was being pimped out, rescued this young lady, arrested all of those individuals that were there and reunited her with her family. She was missing. She was trafficked. She was being sexually abused. I mean, that's three of the four things that we cover on this podcast alone. She is a United States citizen. She's not a foreigner. She wasn't born in a foreign country. None of that stuff. Right here in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah. Yes. It's, I mean, I think people don't realize how big it is here, but it is big. It's big money. Big money. And, and let me tell you, the person next to you sitting beside you, could be getting paid to lure you into it. So don't forget, you have people who gets paid to lure um, sex traffickers into this world. So um, it can be anybody, your niece, nephew, sister, brother, anybody. If they want to check, they get a hold to the right person who paid for that. It ha that's how it happens a lot of times. So don't think that person directly is the one picking up these people because it's not like that. They they getting people to do this. They're getting younger people to do the young men's too to do this to women. Some of the men are getting done also. Don't forget they traffic men too. These that's boys, right. they all that is getting trafficked. And then another thing, I don't understand why why the school's not involved more. Um, when my daughter went missing, I went up to the school, they did not know. So when a minor gets become missing, so that's not one of the things that people should go do, go to the school and talk to the teachers, the students, and principal, bus drivers. You know what I'm saying? All of that. Everybody, if you haven't been interacting with this person any type of way, I feel like you should be talked to. That's right. You may see something, anything. You never know what you've seen that might 
can help this it's always the smallest detail that sometimes breaks the case wide open mm -hmm. always the smallest detail can break a case wide open and we know this even historically sometimes stuff that people overlook you know everybody wants to look for the smoking gun you know what i mean like oh she packed the bag and and uh that bag is missing so she ran away that happens sometimes mm -hmm. but there are times like in this situation where she's not missing her any luggage right no bag i i have her overnight bag that was left there that night you know uh her room is not missing any items as far as you know any special items or anything like that you know a uh, special picture or pictures uh you know whatever she had on her you know as far as you know that's all that's missing mm -hmm. so again folks when we're talking about people minors that let's say they did run away initially that might not be running away is not necessarily a permanent thing because a lot of times kids run away and end up coming back even before law enforcement is uh initiated if if law enforcement does get initiated in most cases the kids are found pretty soon you know they might be at a friend's house they might be hanging out you know at a mall or a soccer park or you know it could be anything they might be with an intimate partner or something like that those things happen too so everybody that's missing does not it's not a permanent thing that's what I want to say to people. So, you know, law enforcement is doing a good job with finding kids because a lot of times they will find them pretty soon. But if they haven't been found within a week, I would say, man, it just gets harder every time. Every hour gets harder and harder because you don't want to thinking that this person may be hurt, injured or worse. Um we want to bring light to every story and we want to educate people and bring advocacy and awareness what do you what do you say again we're talking about how to report these situations so we left off at contacting all media what else do you suggest a parent or parents do or the family or the community because sometimes and i know you all have organized uh search parties in your community what do you say is an, uh, some more things that you'd like to add to this list of what to do in the search and reporting aspect make a flyer with okay. as much information on it as you can that flyer mm -hmm. need to have all the information on it of uh, different pictures because you know we can look different ways with our hair done different so different pictures on the flyers um explain explain uh, people we want information put it on the flyer the circumstance of the person missing okay. um, makes them react more you know um and get to social media and get out here in the streets and start passing those flyers out and 
who social media has oh my god if oh my god social media is just awesome right now <laughs> it, it, it's us. just awesome because because i mean now you go make your police report and you make a flyer and you just put it all on the internet and it just goes people are sharing people are they trying to figure it out too so you got all kind of people trying to figure out what happened and they giving you information so it's it's an awesome thing right now for like looking for putting flyers missing person it is i agree with you 100 percent. you want to use social media to your advantage because when these cases come up when social media gets a hold to it you got a lot of free keyboard warriors a lot of free work you got so many people like again the shanquilla robinson story once it made once that video went uh viral of her uh being beat man social media rolled up their sleeves and yep. really start putting mm -hmm. in work really start yep. putting that in work. Mm -hmm. that really mm -hmm. made that gave it international attention all the major news sites i'm talking about internet the cnn's the msnbc's i don't know if it was on fox news i believe it was uh but all the major news stories have talked about it and gotten involved tamika mallory you know who has been an activist in a number of cases like the george floyd situation mm -hmm. the Tellers and different things like that. Yeah. She was on Roland Martin recently uh, talking about what mm -hmm. she's discovered in uh, her investigation. She's She uh, gave $500 to the family. She was here in Charlotte because this happened here in Charlotte where I am now. Uh, mm -hmm. This is where the family lived, not where the incident happened. And so the funeral was November 19th here in Charlotte. Uh, there's a big GoFundMe page that's raised over $350,000 so far. You know, you had people like Kyrie Irving, the NBA basketball player, donating money. You know, he donated, I think, $65,000 and stuff. So there are a number of celebrities that have gotten involved in this case of her death. Who was responsible? And so I, I like the fact that you talked about social media using it as your friend because. That's a bunch of folks that you don't even know, probably won't even meet, that they will spend the time, whatever time they got, because we all got the same 24 hours, right? Some some people mm -hmm. get really involved in it. When they finish doing their day job, when they on break or whatever, they start doing their research and stuff or whatever. So social media can really be a help. A lot of times people give social media a bunch of flack because it's always oh, gossip is this, is BS and People just showing their figures and all this stuff or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that stuff happens. But there's a lot of positive stuff that social media does, too. So we want to mm -hmm. give a shout out to social media platforms that are um, being made available to the families. We want to give a shout out to those in social media who are spending their time and their talent and their skills. Some of these people may work in law enforcement or first responders. Some they might just be a cook. They could be a doctor. They could be a yeah. plumber. They could be whomever. They just got the time and or interest. And it's a way to give back to your humanity because me as a, a father of a daughter 
who will be 15 on Christmas this year. I don't know what I would do if she went missing. I mean, we know what we say we know what we would do, but until it happens to you, like you said, you went home and you just went into this depression. So you never know how you're going to react when it happens to you. We want to give other parents the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to say, hey, you know what? Have your moment. Have your moments. When you're ready, here's some of the things that can help you find your missing loved one. I got on the screen here uh, one of the flyers that was created uh, from uh, this is from uh, the Looking for an Angel site, and it also in part is from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, uh, some of the information. And so one of the things that I like that you said was have as much information on the flyer as possible. Because like on Shamika's flyer, you got, it says missing Berkeley, Missouri, missing December 30th of 20, 2008. Uh, her birthday is October 1st, 92, sex female, race black, hair black, eyes brown, height five foot five, weight 160 pounds, age at report, 16 has her name on it, has her picture. It says uh, Shamika Kianta Cozy uh, went missing. Uh, uh, it gives the address in Berkeley. Uh, it said her ears appear. She may go by the nickname Mika. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyone having any information should call the Berkeley Police Department and list the phone number. I've seen uh, flyers where it lists tattoos, where they are, how they look. Uh, it gets really detailed if they hair, uh-huh. you know, especially like uh, a lot of women and, and men or whatever gender you are, people color their hair. Uh, they may have galaxy hair where it's multiple colors in it. And so they'll list all of those things. They'll list whatever you want them to list in this flyer. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, so um, I just want people to understand how important it is to be very upfront with what your goal is. Your goal is to have law enforcement partner with you in finding your loved one. We know that this is not their only job. We know that they have other responsibilities. However, law enforcement sometimes makes certain cases a priority than others. And I'm just going to say it because it's true and they know it's true and we know it's true. For example, the Gabby Patino story. Everybody in their mom in law enforcement was involved in that case. And they should have been. And we want that same energy and that same media coverage and that same attention and those same resources that Gabby Patino and her family got, we want the same thing for the Shamika Cozies of the world. For anybody that has a missing person in their family. We want the, and, and Gabby was an adult. We're not talking about a minor here. Gabby was a full grown adult. So what are we talking about, folks? Same energy, same attention. That's all. Melanated, not melanated. 
same energy, different folks, same strokes. That's all we're asking for. That's how you help us get back to our humanity. That's how you reinforce support. That's how you reinforce confidence. That's how you reinforce cooperation between the public and law enforcement. Mm -hmm. That's it. When we're talking about defunding the police, I say we don't have to defund any organization, any police department. We don't want to defund the police. We want the funds that are used primarily for improvement in supplies in terms of weapons and equipment. We want some of that money to be moved over to some civilian review boards. We want some of the money to be moved over to the missing persons section of that police Mm -hmm. department. We want some of those funds to be moved over to, you know, active shooter training. You know, we want some of those things to be moved over to community policing. You know, that's what defund the police means. It means take some of those funds away from the guns and the weaponry and the equipment. Yes, they need to be suited and booted. We know that. They don't, they never had a problem with with uniforms and weapons in the police department. We want those entities to bring more money to some of these other divisions that they have in their department. That's all. So mm-hmm. what would you like to yeah. say in close? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's, it's things as simple as I was told by detectives. They said, now if you get like, I didn't beat them. They have a package for you when you come to the police department. But if you have a missing person, then we have nothing for you. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how they basically just, I was like, okay, I never thought about that. Speaking I mean, of there are protocols. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. can write down protocols on what they can do and what the family should do. So I think that's something just as simple as just getting it in the place. Speaking of law enforcement, uh, do they contact you like once a year to say, hey, you know what? We got this report, like the day that you reported it. Is it like a yearly follow up from the from the police department saying, hey, I just want to give you a status update on the case. No. They're not even doing that. I have emails where they haven't even answered me, so no. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So that's a problem. That's a huge problem. That's some of the things that I want to address with other first responders, specifically law enforcement, to say, can you at least do a yearly update, contact, phone call, email, something, both. Have whatever the detective that's assigned to the case, even if it's a cold case, it's still an, a detective assigned to the case. Hey, we just yeah, want to call you and update on what's going on. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's easy to do. That's easy to do. You know what I mean? Like 
otherwise it's almost like well it's not just a cold case like y'all are done with it you know what i mean like if you're not at least calling me once a year on the date of the anniversary that I reported it, if you can't do that, like to me, that doesn't instill confidence that you're really looking for my loved one. And that hurts. That causes trauma. That causes all kinds of things. You know, you talked about depression. You're talking about mental health, folks. Mental health crisis, I always say, is the world's oldest continuous pandemic that's been around since the beginning of mankind, and it's not going anywhere. And until we deal with those things that affect our mental health, we're going to have more people having depressions, having anxieties, having PTSDs, having all kinds of other issues. They might start doing negative things to themselves. Suicide rates are going up. Substance abuse issues are going up in families whether it's alcohol and or drugs, you know, homicide rates are going up one or more people, including some of these mass shootings or whatever. A lot of that plays a part into the mental health aspect of that person who is doing something to themselves, to another person or to other people. So we can drop the ball when it comes to something like a missing person case because we don't know how far the wave or the ripple effect is going to touch everybody. And for those that don't have a loved one that's missing, it's about education, advocacy, and awareness on this platform. Shamika Cozy and her life matters. She is still missing, along with 64,000 other Black girls and counting, because that number probably has gone up. Yes. She is a melanated woman now. She was a melanated young woman when she was missing back in 08. She was a minor. And we just want to know where she is. So what information do you want to provide to us as far as contact who can anybody call contact who all and where all can people go if they have any information about the whereabouts of shamika cozy good bad ugly or indifferent the mic is yours okay first you can contact me her mother i'm on facebook as paula cozy c-o-s-e-y um, I also have a Facebook page called Searching for Shamika. I am administrator over that page also. And my email is missingmymika at gmail.com. M-I-S-S-I-N-G-M-Y-M-I-K-A, gmail.com. You can contact me that way. Or if you want to call, my number is 314-299-1320. I am open for any kind of conversation that you have that you can give me anything about my child. I'm, I'm listening. We're going to have a number of links in the show notes for this podcast episode where people can get in touch with you, the phone number, the Facebook links, and all that information for Shamika Cozy. We're going to move over to the last segment, which is our missing persons case. Even though uh, we're talking about Shamika's case, I want to bring up 
a local, another local missing person case that our beloved sister and friend, the the person uh, posted uh, 12 hours ago. This is the case of Tyrone R. Walker. Tyrone R. Walker was, uh, he is a melanated young man. Uh, I'm just going to read the flyer. Uh, and this is, this is from looking for an angel incorporated. It says missing Tyrone R. Walker missing hashtag missing hashtag. Please share St. Louis County hashtag. Everybody is somebody's baby. Tyrone R. Walker was last seen after leaving the Florissant police department. He may be in need of medical attention. Missing adult Tyrone R. Walker date missing December 2nd, 2022 age at report 32 years, sex male eyes, Brown height, five foot, six inches, weight, 170 pounds has facial hair. So he has a beard. If you look at the picture and the mustache, uh, no goatee just has a separate mustache. And then he has a, a short, really short beard. Um, he has tattoos on both arms. If you have any information about this case, please call the Florissant Police Department, and that's Florissant, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis. Florissant Police Department at 314-831-7000. Again, if you have any information about this case, please call Florissant PD at 314-831-7000 or call 911 wherever you live. If you live in Spokane, Washington, if you live in Washington, D.C., if you live here in Charlotte, North Carolina, if you live in Key West, Florida, if you live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Portland, Maine, and you have some information about this case, call 911 or call the Florida Police Department, and they will help you get that information to the detectives to find Tyrone R. Walker. That's it for this episode of the Trigger Want to Talk podcast. We want to thank you again, Paula Cozy Hill, for sharing your story about your beloved Mika. We believe that she's out there somewhere, and we hope and pray that she is alive and that she just can't get in touch with you. We hope and pray that she's not in a position that, you know, she's no longer among us as far as living. We know that this is a very hard topic. I, I thank you so much for the bottom of my heart for having the strength and the courage to come on and share your story. I, I have nothing but respect for you and for people like Theta and people like Regina who are dealing with these traumatic situations because as a parent, I can't relate to everything that you're going through. I can put myself in that position and say, what would, what would your brother LP do if it was one of his children, if it was one of his loved ones? And I would hope and pray to meet somebody like Apollo Cozy Hill, who is actively doing the work. I would hope to meet a theater person of Regina Sykes who are actively doing the work. You three ladies and looking for an angel incorporated is a great organization and they don't just focus on melanated folks either. 
99% of the cases we cover are melanated folks, but we also focus on other cases also. So when we're talking about missing persons cases, I just want to highlight that for the audience to let you all know that their organization uh, focuses on anybody that's missing, anybody. And uh, keep us informed on what's going on because we definitely look for any breaking news about Shamika's case. We want to spread the word. We're going to be putting out more information about Shamika. Uh, and we just love you. We just love you to death. And I can't wait to meet you in person because that's what we do in St. Louis. We love linking up, love having hugs and conversations. And we're going to continue to work with you to help find Shamika Cozy. For the Trigger Want to Talk podcast, in closing, I like to say live in awareness, never live in fear. Watch your six, meaning watch your back. Make sure that you remember it's not a matter of if, but when and where an active violent incident or violent critical incident is going to happen at a church, at a store, a shopping mall, school, hospital. Any active violent incident can happen, even in your own home. If you need help, start the process by calling 911. I know we've talked about some of the angst that we have with 911, but still, there are people that work in the 911 system, like myself, who care. For the Trigger Want to Talk podcast and for Paula Cozy Hill, LP out.